happy holidays and welcome back to Certain Point of Yule. Now is the season of our Christmas content, which means that we plan on watching those new Christmas movies so you don't have to. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. And we are back with another new Christmas release and another guest. Today we have our CPOV pod sibling, Angela Bones Bullock. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. Can you please talk about what you do on the network? Uh, don't, don't you do it, Kat. Y'all can't see it. My cat is on top of my roll top desk about to jump Oh, down. no. <laughs> okay. He has left. Uh, he decided to go to the other side. Um, yeah, I am uh, the co-host of the uh, Fables and Reflection podcast, which is a podcast where we go through the works of Neil Gaiman, uh, as well as I'm a pretty regular uh guest on um comicsology oh awesome mm -hmm. uh which my co-host of fables and reflection jd hosts yes i have hosted with jd before or i've guested for jd before rather mm -hmm. <laughs> so the reason that we're here is because we love christmas movies can you tell us what your favorite christmas movie is um it's probably gonna have to be like uh it's it's gonna it's just gonna be a little basic, but I uh it's probably a tie between uh Elf and Home Alone. My family watches that every year. Plus that is like one of the few things my brother will watch. He loves both those movies, but like he's not a huge Christmas person. It's gotta be a very specific mm -hmm. uh very specific thing for him to to enjoy uh Christmas wise. It's gotta be in a certain mood. Um Meanwhile, uh, I pretty much any and all Christmas content. <laughs> uh, I used to, you know, uh, a local radio station from Black Friday to Christmas Day plays Christmas music. And so I usually like switch that onto my car. I used to put it on while I was drinking my coffee until my brother just uh, kind of berated that out of me. <laughs> oh, no. Lame. It's in it, 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 in a nice way, mainly because he was living at, he living here at the time, and my radio is like right up against the uh his bedroom wall. So, <laughs> so it would just be Christmas music at like seven a.m. Uh, that's the best time for Christmas music. Yeah, exactly. You're asleep yeah, at seven a.m. No, I am awake at seven a.m. Usually. No, I'm asleep at seven. You're asleep at seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this wasn't on our outline, but now I'm curious. What's your favorite Christmas song? Um, I would probably say the best Christmas song is uh the oh wow I'm forgetting the artist the original artist's name but um uh the Christmas song the chestnuts roasting chestnuts roasting fire yeah it's a solid um, one. We yep. went from favorite to best. This is now a bold claim. <laughs> uh, Listeners, I... fight it out in the comments. Uh, I have thoughts on the reason it is the best Christmas song, mainly just the way it um, captures just kind of like that feeling of like, you know, right after Christmas, uh, like right after like Christmas dinner, the fire's going, you know, the family is gathering around, like, just, I, yeah, it's just always, if it, I think it captures the coziness of Christmas, like that calm of just enjoyment of family. Like, even if it may be chaotic, you still 
you're feeding off of that energy. It's not draining you necessarily. Yeah, I like that. That's a good description of it. All right. Speaking of chaos, let's get into the movie. Today we're talking about One December Night. It was released on November 13th. It's available on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel. We were able to stream it using Fubo TV. It stars Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher. And Angela, would you mind giving us a summary of the movie? Uh, yeah, so the essentially uh, Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher are play these old, uh, older rock stars that broke up 10 years ago and their biggest hit is a Christmas song called One December Night. And so it's 10 years later and so they're getting together for a Christmas show and then plot ensues. <laughs> they have not been together for 10 years. Plot. Yes. Plot ensues. That is actually what happens. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> As everybody knows, we divide this into two sections, the good and the bad. Let's start with the good. What are some things that we liked? Uh, well, I definitely loved the um, the casting. So, like, the reason uh, I wanted to do this movie was because Bruce Campbell, obviously. Right. Um, but then I did not know this until the reveal of, like, in the second or third scene, Bruce Campbell's son in the movie is played by uh, the same actor uh, that played Grant from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. I never watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that relevant to you? Uh, I have seen, like, the first three Dude. seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and can confirm, now that you've said it, that, yeah, damn, that is. <laughs> yeah, huh. it yeah, that's some a... that's some range on this dude. I expect <laughs> yeah. this type of range from Bruce Campbell, but... Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. Other people who aren't Bruce Campbell? I don't expect it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I completely... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say Bruce Campbell's the only one with range ever. That's true. <laughs> Him and Sir Patrick Stewart. That's yeah, it. Of, co yeah, of course. I agree that the casting was excellent. Um, I love Bruce Campbell. He once called me Turtle Dove, and I cherish that memory. Oh, my lord. My... <laughs> it's very sweet. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. Um, and Peter Gallagher, I only really know him from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, where he played Zoe's dad, but he delivered such a moving performance in the episodes that I watched. His, true, his uh, version of True Colors made me sob. It was so incredible. Um, see, my my experience with Peter Gallagher is the complete opposite because I know him from Mr. Deeds, where he is, where he is the asshole villain. He is. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> god, uh, I haven't is, seen that movie in a decade. I've never uh, seen yeah. that movie. Uh, we me, uh we watched it a lot. Like when it first came out on DVD for like a couple of years, we watched it a lot. Like on road trips, yeah. we pop it in. Um. But one yeah. of Adam Sandler's better works. Yeah, no, it is it is a good one. That's why I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Adam Sandler, sorry. Adam Sandler's better works is still like that's a pretty low bar. I know Adam Sandler is a devoted listener of this podcast, so I'm really sorry that you have to find out this way. Adam, but... you just have to apologize for Jack and Jill and we can move past this. No, it's gonna take more from me. <laughs> I I I don't think he's gonna apologize for that paycheck. <laughs> uh i i once read a calculation in terms of the 
what his movies bring in versus what he gets paid, he is like the most overpaid actor. That sounds right. Um, to but. bring it back to one December night. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, an actor that I was very surprised but delighted to see, whose name I did not write down because I am a professional. Oh, the diner waitress? The diner waitress, Norma. Yes. The voice is so iconic that when I heard it, I said, is that Frenchie from Greece? And she says it to me as if I've ever actually seen Greece in its entirety. I, the answer. The answer is yes. It was Frenchie from Greece. <laughs> okay. So who worked. is a delightfully sweet person? She, um, her voice is just so sugary. It's sweet. She was perfect for the role of Norma, who is just like this older lady who knows our two romantic mains since they were children. Yeah. Who is there to kind of put ideas in their heads a little bit she was perfect i love her yeah it's yeah it's th- that's how i would describe this movie it's like very uh very sweet um the conflicts all get very um not necessarily nasty but personal in a f- in a very family way like this is very yeah. much a found family of like these two guys that work together that you know have uh, known each other since they were kids and you know uh worked together for a very long time and then had this falling out yeah which i, I do like i one major props for the the story in my opinion that the fallout doesn't go to anybody else like they're not like uh so like bruce campbell is it mad at um uh is it mad at quinn for what her dad did like he's like, oh Quinn! Like you know, it's like it's, yeah, it's directed only at that person. Yeah, they uh, still give their, you know, their uh, counterparts' kids nicknames. Yeah, uh, take them ice fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all these, all these great things. It's a very, like, despite the conflict, which is really just like two old men who have like artistic differences over the direction that music should take, and mm-hmm. fine, whatever. You know, you, but like, it's, it's a very wholesome movie overall. Yeah. Um, which is, which is nice. Cause I like my conflicts to not be, well, conflicts really. Yeah. So to me, this was a, uh, definition of a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. The reason why I like Christmas movies is that their stakes are not life or death. There is no world-ending event happening here. It's very personal. It's very much about one person's journey or one family's journey. And that's so relatable. It doesn't matter that it's tropey, that it leans on stereotypes. There's a reason yeah. that tropes exist. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, because it's a, it, it's a very uh, quick, it's a very nice shorthand between the writer and the audience. Um, like, is uh the one thing about it though is in terms of the general premise the conflict when you when as the movie goes on you see the conflict isn't even um isn't even in in creative differences necessarily like they do have those arguments but it's more about like a uh we find out that peter gallagher's character kind of falls apart after his 
wife dies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which exacerbates his already present alcoholism. Uh, and then that, you know, his Deva's wife then just sets him off. So it's not even necessarily creative differences that separate him. It's him failing because of of falling into that. Right. The um, moment in the movie where we realize that Bruce Campbell's character has Alzheimer's and his mm -hmm. memory starting to go is one of the most heartbreaking things uh, I think I've ever seen it, in a it, movie. Because it's Bruce Campbell, and he's good at everything, and he can, yeah. like, act whatever he wants. Uh, and it's just, it's such a, uh, uh, just a, it's it's such a good portrayal of, of what those moments uh, must be like. His yeah. delivery of the line, my memories were melting through my fingers. Oh, it was such a gut punch. Yeah, no, yeah, it's... it's... it's that that scene overall definitely was and like i i thought it was gonna be cheesy because they're hitting at it from pretty early on yeah uh in the movie that that's yeah. gonna be the reveal i'm surprised that his son didn't see it well it's i'm not like he's well like he says it's the at this point it's the small things it's like signing records on the back uh that he already you know like the sack he already signed like signing that twice like Losing just, track of things. Yeah, it's just those it's those tiny things that kind of start out, which uh maybe a little overplayed in this movie. And like all like the certain things he does. Or even like they contribute some things to it that just people do. Like uh yeah. at the in the last scene, he's telling this story to his son and he's like, I've already told you the story, haven't I? And it's like well, yeah, I retell stories all the time. It's like, oh, wait, no, time. I have told you this. <laughs> like, I think part of that is because they're trying to, like, get us to that point in a very limited amount of time. But um, they, weren't, they weren't subtle with it. Honestly, yeah, no. I'm not surprised that the sun didn't pick up on it. Because when you're that close to a person, you don't see those things as necessarily health-related. You hmm. see, like, Dad's just being forgetful. Dad put his pen down and can't find it. Oh, he's getting older. That's just tired. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, because he's, yeah, he's working a lot. So talking about that, so, like, you have the two dads, and they're, you know, these pretty close to retirement or, or already semi-retired musicians. And both of their kids have uh, gone into the music business as managers. What I really like about that happening and the way then the dads are portrayed, I feel like also one of the, I, would, I, I don't, I won't even say themes, but just kind of the vibe I get from it is uh, kind of what I'm starting to feel now, which is like that moment when you kind of take over uh, as the like runner of the family because like your parents are just getting too old to to do it um so like then you start picking up more and more and more I mean, overall uh, it, was a, it was a well cast well acted movie mm. uh the moments where there was singing was very very good i definitely felt like the two songs that we got to hear at the end of the movie were definitely worth the build-up like they were good they were enjoyable like mm. i would play those Every Christmas, like I would put those on playlists. Yeah. I thought they were great. Um, 
I just wish that there was more of it. <laughs> yeah. It, one critique I'll have is especially like the so Fubo TV kind of acts as a, if you look something up to watch or stream that's not live. It's pretty much a DVR. You get the commercials and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, watching with the commercials and so it being a full two hours of sitting. Maybe it would probably feel different without the commercials. But to me, the middle felt like it kind of dragged. Let's we had, move on to the bad then. We okay. sort of started to do that with like the lack of music throughout so, the... I agree yeah. with you. I think that the pacing was just off, and it could have been because of the commercials. But like towards the like last half hour, I'm like, man, this is a long movie. What is yeah. going on here? Yeah, yeah. You start looking at your watch, which yeah. is always bad at a movie. <laughs> Most Christmas movies that we wind up watching, especially on streaming services, run for about ninety minutes. Like they're not gigantic, like Marvel Cinematic Universe three hour long movies yeah. they've got simple plots that can be wrapped up pretty easily so we hit the 90 minute mark and that's about where we're like this this feels long mm -hmm. like, oh there's still a half an hour left in this oh like, i'm not necessarily complaining it's still enjoyable i yeah. i yeah, just yeah. feel the time passing and i'm just like what is all right i guess we're still doing this yeah um there's one more thing that uh from from the good i want to mention that I feel like maybe is a reference. So the house that their big first album was named after uh is called Big Red. And they're and they and like that that's the pitch of the of the Christmas show is like Christmas at Big Red, like at the house where it all started. I wonder if that's a reference to Big Pink with the uh the band. Um the band was a, a a band. The reason they called themselves that is that for a long time they um were touring touring musicians with like uh people like Bob Dylan and different stuff like that. So like they they kind of bounced around with leading men with with lead with uh lead singers and stuff like that until they finally decided to branch off and be their own uh be their own band. Um, and they call just dance. they've always been called the band, so then that's how they got their name. Huh. Their uh, their first album is called Music from Big Pink, uh, because they rented a big pink house in um, in New York and just recorded in the basement. I mean, it sounds like it could be a reference, yeah. giving the location and the parallels there. Mm -hmm. So it sounds What's like it could be a reference. Woodstock, Woodstock, New York. It took me a minute to remember the town. That sounds right. Um, do we want to get back into the bad? Uh, yeah. Yes. So, kind of going off of pacing, I felt like that last, that very last scene at the Christmas party mm. was just one scene too many. I felt like we could have ended it at the... A uh, holiday show. concert. Yep. Let mm. one last December, or not one last December, one December night play us out and into the credits. Yeah, yeah. Because like everybody's stories have really come to an end. We know that uh, what's his face, whose name I did not bother to remember, um, is going into conversations with lawyers to get um, 
Sullivan. That's his name. Mike Sullivan. Sorry. My my brain is bad. Mike Sullivan, his half of the rights. Yeah. And to uh, help him, like, actually save his house and, uh, you know, get back uh, what was his. We know that Quinn and Jake. What's his name? Jake. Uh, it definitely uh, began with a J. Yeah. It began with yeah. a J. Jason. Uh, Jason. Um, Quinn and Jason get together, which is very obvious. I wish that their romantic moment happened during the first song and not the second, because One December Night was the song we were waiting for. Yeah. Yeah, they cut away for it. It was was the song they fought over. It was the title of the movie. It was like the, the, the thing that like he couldn't do anymore because his wife died. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't need the first song in entirety. I need the <clears throat> the second song in its enti- entirety. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, uh there's one more critique for me. I while the emotions are very Christmassy because it's about the family and patching things up and everything. Um the fact that it's at Christmas feels a little arbitrary. I wonder if this was like a script Hallmark picked up and then just like, okay, the famous song is about is uh about Christmas time and the concert is gonna be a Christmas concert. There we go. Uh Probably. Is- I'm sure Hallmark has piles and piles of scripts that get sent in over the years and every once in a while they just grab bag it and reach in and just like, Oh yeah, we'll do this one now. Yeah, just a, just a, a, a light <clears throat> light red and green paint job <laughs> to the, to the we'll just Yeah, we'll just hold a, it near a candy cane that's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing that we didn't mention that I feel like we should, this is not a bad thing, <laughs> this is probably a good thing, is the candy cane boff reward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was such a I, delightful moment. <laughs> I really love that scene because overall, because like they're fighting and everything, but they're still like mugging for the camera, like doing the promo shots. <laughs> they are professionals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do. And then they get given giant candy canes, like foam candy canes, and they just start beating each other with them. Yep. My only other criticism is that I felt the, like the soundtrack was a little lacking. This is a movie about aging rock stars who are reuniting. We don't even, like, hear them on the radio in passing. We don't have Addie being like, uh, this is a cover of one of my favorite Bedford and Sullivan songs when she's busking on the street. Like, there are no subtle nods to them throughout the movie. We actually hear Addie singing more than we hear anyone else singing in the movie. Yes. And Addie was great. Addie's a thing we didn't mention for the good side that we absolutely should have. Her entire story arc, bits and pieced as it is throughout the movie, was delightful. Yeah. Oh, she had more of a part, though. Yeah. I liked her, but... She sort of, like, showed up at the beginning, showed up in the middle, and then showed up at the end, but she wasn't Which is the whole movie. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, like, she showed up at moments. Like, she was there in the beginning, busking, and then getting the gig. She was there in the middle as it was all possibly falling apart, and then she performed at the end, but that was it. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't present throughout. I, I I feel like they... It's like, okay, this is about musicians, so we need music throughout, but, like, we can't have Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher for too long, 
to rehearse these songs. So we're just going to like have a third person <laughs> that's going to do 90% of the singing. You know uh, what? That we can that just cut away it. too. <laughs> because Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher can both sing can. well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe that's it. Yeah, you know, the budget for enough rehearsal time. I yeah, want I'm... a studio release of One December Night. Hmm. Full. It was yeah, full, so full. good. It was very, very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, any other thoughts that we'd like to bring to the table? I would I would just say I slightly disagree about the the final the like after party from the concert mainly because I feel like that is the wrap up because you feel that their lives are going to go on you can see the men's having been like the the uh repairs having been done like their relationships have started to mend and so you can see them kind of interacting more as a more as a slightly more healed family. Um and then yeah, then that's the uh then that's the moment you have them the dads find that uh you know, them kissing. It's like, hey, there better be mistletoe over there. Um so I I feel like you get a glimpse of what their lives are gonna be like after the end credits roll, which I liked. I think that is a completely valid take. Maybe my problem was that if there is going to be a follow-up scene, maybe I just didn't want it to be that scene. Because I do like the idea of seeing things being repaired and seeing that their lives are going on. Maybe if it were a one year later to show that their lives are continuing on and they're doing something else with their lives. Like maybe Quinn and Jason are now working together in a more official capacity. And like their dads are out ice fishing or something. And there's a puppy. (laughs) And there's a puppy. puppy. Yeah, there's just a puppy. (laughs) Quinn and Jason get a puppy for their first Christmas together, Mm -hmm. obviously. That's what the one year anniversary (laughs) is. It's the puppy anniversary. There you go. We live in a house of a thousand cats, so we default <laughs> to the paper anniversary. I looked at it because three years, where's my puppy? <laughs> I owe you three puppies. You owe me three puppies. To be fair, you also it's, owe oh, me three year. puppies. It's each year's anniversary. Each year's the puppy anniversary. It's, it's a secret. Uh, Tiffany's doesn't want you to know that because they want you to get diamonds at year 60, but every year is secretly the puppy anniversary. Except for year 12, which is the iguana anniversary. Oh, okay. John, yeah. Do you have any additional thoughts about this movie, or do you just want to go on about anniversary? <laughs> I just think that there should have been uh, more dogs in it. That's okay. my last thought. That is fair. There was one, there was one brief golden retriever. Yes, there was in the caroling scene, I believe. Okay. Any other thoughts? No. Uh, no. Huh? It's it's very yeah, just a very sweet movie. Uh, yeah. Kind of a pain to stream, but if yeah. you have if you have Hallmark, you know, it's good to pop on if it's if it's Aaron. Uh so it's time for the rating portion of our show. We give movies arbitrary ratings that mean absolutely nothing. John, how many tree toppers do you give this movie? I am going to give this movie four out of five tree toppers. It's a good Christmas movie. It's a sweet Christmas movie. It feels a little, at the end of the day, unremarkable. Um, Mm -hmm. There aren't many wonderful things that I can say about it. There aren't many terrible things. There's no terrible things I can say about it. It is just a good Christmas movie. 
Angela, how many tree toppers do you give it? Uh, I, I would default uh, to what was just said. That's my feeling exactly. Just kind of like it's, yeah, not, there's nothing really horrific about it. There's nothing super, super special about it, but there are good moments. So it's just like, it's just slightly above average. I'd like a, yeah, three and a half, four, uh, four tree toppers. I'm going to go with four and a half tree toppers. It could have been elevated to five if I just got a studio release of one December night. Do you hear me, Hallmark? Studio release. Get on it. Hallmark, we set the trends for the season. <laughs> Our recommendation carries so much weight you don't even so know. So much weight. It, Get it, us... makes, it makes or breaks these movies. Yeah. Get us that studio release. <laughs> Or a puppy. <laughs> or, or a puppy. Well, three puppies, as we've established, are, are what are owed. <laughs> Angela, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It was such a blast to have you. It was super fun. Thank you so much for having me. Also, uh, please I, tell your cat that I love him. Yes, this is uh, Sandy. Lino is probably in my in my chair or my bed. Uh, his brother. So, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, whenever I record podcasts, he loves to hang around, so I'm just constantly Aww. worried about him destroying the mic Aww. while I'm recording. He's trying to be like you. He, he is. <laughs> can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Uh, yes. Well, as already established, uh, I'm on the CPOV network as, um, as a co-host of Fables and Reflections, which can be found uh, on certain point of view on uh certain pov.com uh as well as instagram and twitter uh at f and r pod um we release every other friday uh our next episode is sandman overture Ooh. um yes uh i say that as i'm looking at my uh morpheus statue <laughs> um let me know if you have plans to do ocean at the end of the lane uh, oh, we already have. Ah, I missed my chance. Uh, we already have. If we do a revisit, we'll let you know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love it, Ocean it, at the it, End of uh, the Yeah, it turned out to be one of JD's favorite books in general now. Mm, of course it was. That um, doesn't surprise me even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I am so mad. I So I went on that. Uh, I went to one of the stops on that book tour because that's his last, like, dedicated book tour. Um. And uh, so I got a signed copy, signed hard copy of Ocean at the End of the Lane. Um, and uh, I somehow lost it. I don't have it anymore. Oh, no. I, uh, but That's I still so have, sad. Uh, but I do still have several other <laughs> New Caveman <laughs> signed books. Because I've seen them twice. And I just got stacks of stuff signed each time. So. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's our next episode. Um, we've already done Ocean, uh, we already done Ocean of the End of the Lane, uh, Stardust and Coraline, both book and movies, um, and Same End Volume 1. I believe that is everything. It's, get on the train early. We, we're, we're still in a very new podcast. Nice. Oh, any plans for Interworld? Uh, I, yes, actually, JD told me, uh, JD actually informed me about that. I had never heard that one. Um, yeah, I like Interworld. I reference it a lot. Yeah, so that is uh that is on the list. Nice. Uh, All uh, right. Also, uh, well, I guess also one uh last plug. 
is for another CPOV show. Um, we guessed, me and JD guessed it on the upcoming Men of Steel episode on uh, Miracle Man, which Neil Gaiman wrote, because there was the Alan Moore run, and then Neil Gaiman wrote a third of his plant. Uh, so hopefully that'll eventually be completed, but we we uh, are on uh, Men of Steel to talk about that soon. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining us for this limited run of Certain Point of Yule. Certain Point of Yule is a Certain Point of View production. Head over to CertainPOV.com to find a link to our Discord and join in the conversation. You'll find out more about Angela, myself, and maybe even John if you're lucky. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. Happy holidays. <laughs>